Hi there guys and welcome to today's live stream. We're going to be talking all about core training. If you've got lower back pain, you can understand how your core works, mistakes that you shouldn't be making, and then a five-point step to basically progress from start to really being comfortable training your core. So hopefully you guys are going to find this really, really helpful. As always, we've got Lara behind the camera, so she's going to be looking at your comments on Facebook and YouTube live. So you guys can put those in there anytime through and during the live stream. So we'll answer those at the end. If you're new to the channel, welcome hopefully you find this content really interesting we go live every single weekday uh, and if you do find the content useful please do consider subscribing and hitting the notification bell so you know every time we do go live and with that being said let's get into today's live stream Okay guys, so we've got the kind of the agenda for today. We're gonna to be talking to start with about sort of about your core, just so you can understand it a little bit. Uh, we've got some interesting drawings on the whiteboard, which I'll cover with you guys very, very shortly. Uh, I'm gonna get into the mistakes reasonably briefly, uh, but then we'll get into sort of the meat of this, which is those sort of five points that you guys need to consider. If you're part of the Back and Shake membership site, this is really to help you understand what you're going through because these principles are, are there through the Back and Shake membership site and you'll start to kind of really um, so, sort of see where, where different bits fit in as you go through those phase one, phase two, and then phase three processes. So uh, it's just to really help you guys understand what and why. And sometimes there's a temptation to jump from step two to step five and that's not necessarily going to be the best idea or just skip step one and go straight into step three or four, which commonly happens. So we'll talk about that as we go through. But let's really start off with uh, sort of understanding your core and the sort of the role. I use the example quite often in the clinic of, of thinking of your core and spine as like a bag of potatoes. And uh, that might sound really, really weird. Um, and I've got an expertly drawn bag of potatoes here and here. And essentially, people don't realize compared to, say, the hip joints, uh, in particular, that the spine is, is very, very sort of unstable in many ways. Now, yes, it's got lots of ligaments that provide support. And from some of our other videos, you'll understand that when we've got uh, recurrent and chronic lower back pain, those ligaments can be a bit out of whack. And maybe we've got a reduced curve as an example. But where your core comes in, your midsection comes in, that corset is by providing real stability to hold those things nice and nice and um, in, a, in a stable fashion so that everything can function effectively and can function smoothly. And I liken this to the bag of potatoes because the potatoes aren't necessarily so balanced. And the sack that's holding them is like your core. And if we look down the bottom here, which is kind of cut off a little bit, if the sack is loose, the potatoes can kind of slide out of place. And if we try and bend the sack, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kind of crumple. It's not going to move as well as it otherwise should do. And that creates issues. It means that the, the, the sack isn't as stable. It means that if you put load on the sack, it's going to start to displace, and that displacement is going to lead to um, injury. It's going to lead to problems developing. It's going to be barriers to recovery. Whereas if we've got that sack nice and tight, like this example up here, all of those potatoes stack up on top of one another, and the sack can then bend and move effectively. So what we're trying to do with this core engagement, this core training, is rebuild something that's been like this for a very long time maybe and help this happen. Because if you've injured your back and you're like this, because we haven't been active, we've been uh, sedentary for a long period of time, we've maybe never trained our core properly. Maybe we've been in the gym, but we've been using the bigger muscles. Guys are particularly um, at, at, at risk or guilty of this one. You've been doing those big heavy lifts, you've been on the rows, doing all of that, but the core stability, the thing that holds your spine together, hasn't been there. So when we do end up injuring ourselves by accident 
or through repetitive stress, we have a very large vulnerability. And if we've got a big shoulder girdle and a big waist girdle with very little protecting and supporting it in the midsection, or worse still, we've been using lumbar supports through that training process, this will really come into play and be a massive barrier to your recovery process. So that's really, really important. And then the next one is really understanding the role of the core. Um, and this kind of feeds into this first red one. I've kind of used the color coding here. This is kind of the, the main points that we want to understand the core. And then this is the mistakes right here. And understanding your core is really important because a lot of people train the wrong way when they're training their core. They're training doing ab crunches or doing sit-ups and those sorts of things. How many times in your life have you been standing up? So I'm just trying to stand the spine up effectively there. You've been standing up and you've thought, I need to pick that thing up off the floor. So I will do a really intense ab crunch to get down there to pick it back up again. That's not the way we do things. What we do when we're in that position is we engage the core we, and then we use our erector muscles. We use our, our back muscles, we use our glutes, we use our hamstrings to slowly lower ourselves down under control while the core is holding the spine nice and steady. Grab the thing and then we use those muscles to contract and bring us back up again. All the while, the spine is being held in good position. So the biggest mistake by far is when people start training, they use excessive flexion, excessive forward bending. And that's, firstly, it's not, it's not applicable to the way in which the core works. So even if you don't have back pain and you're watching this, it's just not a good way to train. It's not helpful. And generally, most people are training for fitness. If you're training for pure aesthetics, you just, you know, you're about to compete in a bodybuilding competition, which is, to be completely honest, it's not most of the people that are watching our YouTube channel. Then, then maybe there's some scope to do, you know, a thousand sit-ups or whatever. But if we're training for general health, well-being, fitness, dealing with back issues, then we have no business doing any sort of forward bending exercises uh, for, for building our core. Now, the next one that is a big mistake, and the more astute among you who've sort of seen when we uh, released today's live stream yesterday, you'll see the thumbnail on this image. And it's a guy doing the classic Russian twist with a medicine ball. So you've got the medicine ball, we're kind of rounded in the lower back and we're twisting left and right. This is probably the biggest mistake. And, and, and it's just something that really I do despair with because it's, it, it's just not very good, really. And there's so many better ways that you can train and stimulate your core without doing these ones, which involve you rounding the lower back and then twisting so many of you will know because i've mentioned it before that um, the best way to herniate a disc is to bend forwards and twist and then lift and that's exactly what you're doing when you do a russian twist in most cases we're putting a compression through the disc by bending forwards we're then twisting to weaken the disc and then we're exerting physical force to compress further and i won't get into the to the the details of the disc on on today's live stream because that's maybe for another one but essentially, that's a very, very good way to herniate a disc. Classic ones are bending forwards to tie the shoelaces or put the socks on, which is a bend, a little bit of a twist, and then a compression to pull that sock on. Or it's other activities that are similar to that. So those commonly end up uh, with patients coming into the clinic. So let's just not rep replicate those activities when we're trying to build our core. Very, very important one. And then the last point in here is just using the weight badly. And this is, again, it's a little bit more, I've touched on this a bit at the start, and this is where we can't really feel the exercise. Um, we're doing maybe some of the core engagement or we're doing a, a more advanced exercise and we just can't feel the core working. And that is really a case of, and I, and I went through this on yesterday's live stream, all of these exercises, we should be able to gain control, active control, just from standing up or lying down and engaging a muscle. We should be able to get active control. And that's developing this brain to muscle connection. 
And if we haven't used those muscles in many, many years, that can be very difficult. And what often happens is people just go, oh, give me more weight, I can't feel it. Give me more weight, I can't feel it. Give me more weight, I can't feel it. And then they injure themselves. Because we are sacrificing technique and just using weight instead to try and stimulate. And we know that's not going to be a good idea. Fortunately, I don't think many of you guys watching this will have made that mistake, but I'm going to point it out there anyway. I was going through uh, one of the exercises uh, with someone in the clinic the other day, and it was a case of just not being able to feel it. And it's just a technique thing. Because if you engage a core and you do that exercise that I was discussing with this lady, it was an ab rotation, you should be able to feel your core working by just twisting to the side actively. If, even if you're doing this right now and you've done the core engagement exercise, maybe you're in phase one, phase two of our back in shape. If you engage your core right now, like you know how to do, and then just twist slowly on your chair, you should feel your core working. Now, if you can get that, that's awesome. That's really, really good. It might be a bit premature for some of you guys still in phase one, but those of you in phase two, engaging that core and just slowly twisting should allow you to feel your core working a little bit. And if you can't, engage tighter. And if you still can't, engage tighter. And then you'll know what it feels like. And then you can start applying that engagement to your physical exercises. And with time, the requirement to mentally contract a lot starts to diminish and you'll be able to just turn it on and off like a light switch. So that's something to really work towards. Now, I'm going to move now into sort of these five points because those will help you understand where to go. So I've got them written down on the board here. We've got the first point, and these are in order. They're very, very important that they're in order. The first one is learning to engage. Now, there's a few groups of people that are very bad at this or at risk. It's number one, it's those ladies that have had C-sections, mainly because, unfortunately, it's done at the time, maybe planned or otherwise, and it's really compromised the entire abdominal wall the abdominal corset of muscles that we have. And ladies, unfortunately, do not get the rehab that they need or should get afterwards for a number of reasons. Uh, some of them understandable, some of them not. And therefore, they lose control effectively of this region. And it's really important if you're pregnant right now or if you're going to be pregnant or if you've just given birth and watching this, please, 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 when, when your doctor says you're okay to return to physical exercise, pay some attention for the subsequent six to 12 months to really work hard on just learning to re-engage this core to start with because that won't be too exertional. It's just learning to move it again. If you're able to stand, you should really be able to do this exercise lying on the bed or lying on the floor. So learn to re-engage the core. The second group of, guy, of people is guys that have been in the gym for long periods. Maybe they use waist belts or other sorts of things, and they just have been using the large prime movers, the big muscles, the biceps, the pecs, the lats, and they haven't really learned to use these muscles. And therefore, learning to use them is often quite difficult. I think I used the example on yesterday's live stream about a child learning to walk. You know, sometimes it takes a week or so to walk. You know, you go from crawling to walking. It might take a week or so. It might take a little bit longer to be able to walk without falling over. And the same thing with this. And quite often people just can't feel it, can't feel it, can't feel it. And there are a few tricks that we talk about in terms of helping you feel that core engagement when you're lying down. But if you aren't able to engage your core muscles without tilting your spine or doing the pelvic tuck that many people are instructed to do, if you can't just lie flat on your back and engage your core muscles correctly, not the six pack, but the core muscles, and achieve a, a, a circular cylindrical contraction through your core. You can't even do that lying down. What hope have you got standing up? So don't jump the gun. It might be a little bit, um, a little bit annoying having to sit at that sort of exercise for a while. But if you can't do that, you've got no business doing any of the other exercises because you don't have control over the midsection. And the only way we're going to provide stability is to get initial off weight bearing uh, active control. That's the first thing. Please don't skip that because it is the foundation of building a good core. 
And again, I'm stressing this isn't for sort of the athletes and the people that are you know, doing high level sports. This is someone who's maybe struggling with back pain uh, for a long period of time or short period of time. So we really need to get that foundation first. The next step is starting to stabilize this and challenge the core off weight bearing. So we're lying down. We're doing a number of exercises. Maybe we're on our back, for example. We engage this core and then we're moving the legs like we do in the first part of phase two. And as we pull one leg out whilst maintaining the core, the body is going to want to pull the spine that way as the leg goes out. And the job of our core is to hold that thing steady, hold that thing steady as that le one leg goes out and then comes back in and then the other leg. Whilst we're getting a little bit of twisting, no twisting is happening, but there's the pull to try and twist the spine. And we're using our core to stabilize it whilst just one leg is moving. And again, if we can't even do this well, how on earth are we going to manage while we're upright, walking around, going from one step to another, on and off the curb, whilst we're having to stabilize the whole weight under gravity? So these exercises can be quite difficult for some people when they start. And you think, well, this is so hard. Why is maybe, maybe when you lose control, when you lose engagement, your back hurts a little bit. And that's because as your leg's gone out, you've lost the engagement and your back's gone boom. And you've jarred, jarred the back. Now, you're not going to do any major damage as long as you're not silly. But it gives you a cue as to, do you know what, maybe I can only do three reps of this particular exercise because actually my control, my mental control over the physical core is, is, is not good enough to be able to allow me to just move one leg while I'm lying on my back without my back being involved. And that really highlights, it gives you as the, as the, as the patient, you as the person doing the exercise, you as the person trying to rehab your core, it gives you that instant feedback. And it's just a case of framing that in a, in, a, in a different way because a lot of people say, oh, no, I can't do it. No, this isn't for me. But we have to go through those steps because there's no good jumping to an upright exercise if we can't even lie on our back and wiggle our leg. So that's really, really important. There are other exercises on the back that, that again, don't use full body weight. Once we've mastered those and we've got a bit of progress there, we can start considering to stabilize the body, the core, the spine on weight bearing without any additional weight. So we're starting to use the body weight. Maybe we're doing a squat for simple, for simple purposes. We're keeping this core, and we went through squats yesterday on the live stream, so if you've got any questions on squats, go back and watch yesterday's live stream. It's easier to do on YouTube. Um, we're engaging that core, and we're going through the squat motion. As we're going through the squat, we're upright, and then we're down. It's only my hips that are moving. If we grab the hip socket here, so that's upright. I mean, ignore the kyphosis up here, but the spine is upright, and as we go down, the leg is coming forwards. So just like that. Spine isn't bending. The spine isn't doing that, okay? We're keeping the core engaged as the legs are moving. As the hamstrings and the buttocks are pulling on the back, we're keeping the core nice and engaged with the load of gravity. So we're starting to do things that really represent real life now, getting up and down out of a chair whilst not losing that core engagement. And you'll find that when you engage properly, you might be a little bit more limited in your squat range. You might not be able to go as low. You might feel it starts to pull a little bit. When, you're, when you go to the woods, the bottom of that squat. Well, we've got to keep that core nice and strong, we've got to keep it engaged, and just go with the range that you can go. Maybe it's, only, maybe it's only this far. Maybe we can only do that. And we can't even get to the point where we can sit down effectively. That's completely okay. The one, the one big problem a lot of people get is they see friends, they see colleagues, they see family members that can do these exercises so easily. And they get a bit frustrated and it's important not to be like that because we're all on our own journey and some people will not be able to do one or two squats. Some people will be able to do 10, 15, 20, 30 and they'll be fine. But the most important thing is you do what you can do well and you watch the progress from there. 
and that is is really really important so then once we've done that and we're able to stabilize with simplistic movements upright we can then start to get into the more fun stuff this is the using an element of balance this is doing unilateral exercises where the core's upright having to deal with load and we're using maybe one leg over the other or we're using one arm over the other and now our core is having to work with gravity and with asymmetry and still hold that back steady. And again, it doesn't matter whether you've got a minor disc injury and you're 22 uh, or if you're in your senior years and you've got a history of arthritis and other degenerative change. You still have to go through these processes. The process might be slower, but you still have those stresses. You're still, no matter what your age is, you're still going to have to go up on a curb, which means putting weight through one, one limb and having to stabilize your core. You're still going to have to get onto a bus or get onto a train or get into a car. You're still going to have to do these things. So it makes sense to choose an isolated, insular environment where you're doing your workout, no matter what group you're in, the young, the old, the serious, the not serious, back injuries, and slowly build up to these things so that we can start to stabilize our spine. Maybe if you're a little bit older with a little bit more degeneration or damage in and around the spine or history, a longer history of this, you're not going to be doing lots of reps of high weight and those sorts of things. That's obvious. But even a little bit with your own body weight of stimulating the core in these ways over a long period of time can really, really make a difference. And quite often we find that the slightly older patients are a little bit more patient. So there's always pros and cons with your certain circumstances. We tend to be a little bit wiser, a little bit more patient if we're a little bit older. That's being said, when we're younger, we've got healing on our side. We've got youth on our side. So don't, don't feel like I can't do this or I, because of X, Y, Z. You will be able to, and there will be perks of your particular circumstances, and there will be negatives of your particular circumstances. But follow the course in your own time, and you'll do very, very well. And then the last point is really the, the very fun part, and that's where we can add weight, we can add resistance. And that's using things like bands, that's using things like kettlebells or, or dumbbells or just additional weights, even a bag of sugar. You know, those sorts of things that you have around the house. And, and, and you can use those to then enhance the exercises that you're doing, making them a little bit more challenging for you so that you can continue to progress. It's important that we do continue to progress so that we know that we're objectively stronger and more resilient to, 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 to future back injuries, especially if we've got some element of degenerative change or structural abnormality. Maybe you've had a laminectomy, uh, lam lam laminectomy which is where they remove part of this to create some space maybe you've had injections maybe you've had uh, a disectomy maybe you've had a fusion all of these scenarios change your anatomy fundamentally when we particularly the the surgical interventions uh, all the degenerative change in stenosis maybe you've got that the only thing that you are 100 percent in control of is your muscular support for the area so it is necessary to build it slowly and surely and safely but build it nonetheless and that way if we've got a stronger muscular system we're going to be able to protect and guard against maybe a little bit more of a vulnerable structure so hopefully that's been helpful for you guys if you're watching this if you're new to the channel you've kind of got an understanding of how we think about training the core and developing the core when you've got back pain and if you're one of our members so the back in shape premium or the basic members you're kind of starting to understand a little bit more about why we're doing what we're doing as we go through those processes so hopefully you guys have found this really helpful and uh, with that with that out of the way we'll go into uh, question and answers okay awesome um good morning everybody hopefully you can hear me i'll just pull that mic closer yeah um, the first question is i know that a lot of people um ask us if you if you struggle to get down to the floor to, pull, yep. to perform some of these ab exercises on your back can you do it on your bed? Is, yep. that, is that sufficient? Yeah, so generally we don't, we don't tend to advise um, 
you're doing these exercises on the bed generally. Uh, but at the end of the day, we've got to do what we've got to do. And if lying, if getting down on the floor is too much of a trouble for your back in the early days, then you've got to do it on the bed. Um, some people will have a little bit of trouble with the neck. If we're, if we're a little bit older and we've got some co-occurring issues in the neck, sometimes lying on the back is difficult. There are strategies that you can, you can use to sort of make that a little bit easier. It might be lying on the bed with a pillow underneath your neck. I wouldn't really recommend that long term because it, it's, it's reinforcing an issue in the neck that really needs resolving. Um, but it can allow you to work on your core because at least if you had only neck pain, you'd be better off. So if we can work on the core and find ways to work around that and then deal with the neck later, then that would be a good idea. So lying on the bed, if it's easier for you to get into these positions to start the core exercises, is going to be a helpful, helpful, a helpful thing to do. But with the ambition to get you on the floor in the future. Okay, um, I'm just going to work through some of the Facebook uh, okay. questions first. Dawn has asked. Um, does your bladder affect your core uh, when walking in the morning when sciatica moves from the leg to the back? Uh, then bladder is full, desperately needs to go to the bathroom. Um, okay. Yeah. So um, if we've got a full bladder or a full bowel, it creates pressure in that area. What I would encourage you guys to actually do um, after this is really, really interesting. Um, Maybe it's not actually that interesting. I don't know. Uh, I thought it was, it was interesting anyway. Um, go on to Google and just type in MRI of a full bladder. And you'll actually appreciate just how full our bladders actually get um, and how much they change in size when we have a full bladder. And that's right in the region of the lower back. And if we've got a full bladder, we've got a lot of fluid in an area which is very close to the lower back and is going to increase the, the pressure in that region. So it's, it's really not a surprise. If you've got a full bladder, you're going to feel a bit uncomfortable and the same with a full bowel. Um, so I, I'd be mindful of that. It, it, it will build tension in that area. It occupies a lot of space. So, you know, try and maybe go to the bathroom a little bit more regularly and not let it build up. I appreciate if you've been sleeping, it's better to wake up and just go to the bathroom quickly rather than wake up in the middle of the night. But, um, that, that can definitely, um, exacerbate things for sure. Okay. Um, I'm going to jump over to YouTube. Georgina has asked, hi, um, I started with the phase one yesterday, repeated it three times during the day. Uh, but I've noticed some pain going down into the legs and into the feet. Mm -hmm. um, is that because I've done something wrong or, or you know, what kind of challenges? Yeah, so with, with the phase one exercises, it's really, really important that you get those techniques right um, quite often. So all of the hip stretches, for example, if I run through those, all of the hip stretches that you're doing should be moving the hips only. And if we're moving the hip, just the hip joint, not the back, then there is no issue with the lumbar spine, no matter what's going on there. So what generally happens is that people are doing the hip stretch, but they're moving their back too much, and that's creating issues. That's, that's number one. So really double check that technique. Um, because if we're, if we're, for example, if we're doing a hamstring stretch and we're leaning forwards at the back, that creates issues. So really check that technique to make sure we're doing those exercises technically really, really well. And that can take a bit of practice. Doing it once is, is, is not enough. Um, the second thing is the towel and the ice. Um, this is a big one that people get, get wrong and, and it is problematic. Now, the towel, if you find these two bony bits at the base of your spine, just where this red dot is actually from one of the other live streams, these two bony bits, and you, that's, that's the dimples at the base of your spine. A lot of people sort of ask, where is that? It's the dimples. Your spine actually starts, or the mobile part, the L5S1 starts a touch above there. We're talking about almost an inch above those bony bits is where L5 is. Quite often, people put the towel here. They put the ice here. The pain might be here, here, or here. And that's wrong. 
And if you put the towel here, you will make your back substantially worse because it's going to push your spine that way and create more trouble in the lumbar discs. So actually putting the towel, for ladies sometimes, the example of at the waist works a bit better because here's the top of your sort of thingy bits here and then your waist comes in. So actually putting it level with that might be a bit of an easier marker for you. So you can actually feel that back arching gently. And obviously using the ice in the same region is quite important. But also if we've been doing a lot of the wrong things, the towel as well, if we're doing it in the correct position, can actually be a little bit uncomfortable to start with because we're moving things back towards the right position. And if we've had back pain for a very long period of time, undoing that, I use the example of cake. If you've been misled into thinking that um, eating cake is really good for losing weight and you've been following that diet for the last six months or six years and you just start eating salad and meat, for example, to lose weight, and drinking water and doing exercise then it's going to take a couple of days for that actually to kick in and those beneficial factors to actually kick in and start to help so i definitely go back to technique on the stretches the towel and the ice to just make sure they're in the right position and that when we're getting off one of the other mistakes that i've heard people make is they get off the towel okay and this really shocks me uh, well it doesn't shock me but it, it when you think about it you're like oh my god why was i doing that they get off the towel when they've been doing it correctly arching the back opening out these disc spaces etc and then they go and do a child's pose. And I'm, I'm like, gosh, why, why did we do that? Um, it's, it's really, you know, it's just because it's, it's again, um, it's trying to help you guys understand that tightness, that tension in that lower back isn't always needed, doesn't always need a stretch. Sometimes it needs tension taken off, which is what the towel does. So that's really, really important. Please avoid those forward bending exercises and maybe go back and just have a look at the lessons, lesson one to four, uh, just before you get into the protocol to make sure we're not making any of those additional mistakes uh, both before, during and after doing the exercises that, that would be worth worth going, um, yeah, going through. Yeah, I would definitely agree with the, the towel, the, the placement of the towel. Yeah, because so you did it. You did it. The first yeah. time I did it was after a workout in the gym and then I just laid there on a towel and I had it, I had it really low. Yeah. And after that, I felt very uncomfortable. And, you, and, and when you walked over, you said, well, that's way too low. It needs yeah. to be much higher, but I just didn't understand. Yeah. Um, Everyone does it. The other thing I was going to ask you, just on Georgina's point, is you're, you've been having quite a few virtual consultations yeah. with people. Would you say that that's the one thing that people do get wrong? Yeah, the yeah, towel? yeah, yeah. The, the towel, towel position and the ice position okay. is probably the biggest mistake, uh, or the most cat, the most um, not catastrophic, but it's the most serious mistake because with the towel, it's such a good exercise because you're using a pivot. But if you put the pivot in the wrong position, then you're going to create the exact opposite effect, which we really don't want at all. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, uh, you really want to be mindful of that. Okay, awesome. I hope that helps, Georgina. Um, okay, right, so I'm going to move back over to Facebook. Um, uh, Karen has asked, once your back is better, can you go back to doing exercises like planks or Russian twists? Um, so the, the planks and Russian twists, uh, th there are some exercises that you can do. So, for example, there's a nice one where you do like a side plank and then you can reach under, okay? But this isn't for anyone who's, who's before the end of sort of phase, what we call phase three. Um, those, are, those are good exercises. When you've got a perfectly, everything's healed nicely, you're, you're good, then doing that exercise would be an okay one because you're keeping the spine neutral, but you're twisting, okay? Russian twist, uh, it's just no. There's, there's no need to do it. There's no benefit in doing it. There are numerous other ways in which we can train the core. And um, I think people always get caught out when they try and make their exercise routine fruity. That, that's the thing. If, if, you want, if, you, if you want enjoyment, go to the cinema or, or do something like that. A lot of you guys are going to be training to get results. You're training to improve your back. Um, you know, it, it's just a case of certain things work 
and certain things have unnecessary risks. And there's just no point going around those uh, doing those things like Russian twists because there's, it's an unnecessary risk. It's not more effective than any other core exercise. Um, and there's no need to do it, really. That, that's the simple thing. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, brilliant. Um, just talking about Russian twists, Oli has asked, what is the best way to train uh, the side core muscles um, instead of Russian twists? All of them. You've got side plank pulse. You've got the ab rotations. Um, and to be honest, you should be engaging that whole section when you're doing all of the exercises. So they should all be engaged. You, they, should be engaged when, they should be engaged when you're doing a lunge. They should be engaged when you're doing a squat. They're engaged a little bit more when you're doing a lunge because they're having to play a dynamic asymmetrical role. But they should be engaged on all of these upright exercises. And I think the biggest myth is that, that actually compound movements, large upright, up, upright uh, full body movements, actually do a really good job of stimulating your core if done correctly. Um, and, and they're much more true to real life than you know, lying on your back or on your side doing a little wiggle. Um, they're necessary to get you to that point. So for example, the pulse side plank is necessary to get you to the point where we can stand up and do other things, but it's, um, it's, it's, it's most certainly uh, better for the long term to be doing those, those compound movements. And, and I, I would argue the phase three routine um, in the back and shape is a routine that you can just continue to do for life. There's no need to make it any, any, any more complex than that. It'll do the job. As uh, many of you guys are watching this who are part of the premium membership, you'll see this weekend uh, on Saturday morning, we're going to be launching or releasing uh, the video that Lara and I shot the other week um, or last week. We finished editing it and everything. And that's going out of me doing the full phase three routine, um, three by 10. And you guys will see it's a workout. And at five by 15, it's definitely going to be a workout. So there's no need to do anything more unless you're training for enjoyment. If we're training for a purpose of making your back strong, healthy, and really avoid getting back pain in the future, you know, go and enjoy yourself. Go and do other stuff in your free time. Don't, don't start making your workout unnecessarily complicated because you'll start to dislike it. Mm, okay, cool. Um, Joe has asked if you can hold the core, if you can hold the core in while holding your breath, is this okay? Um, I, what we teach you guys to... Um, engage the core using hooking it to the breath, which is actually something that's quite common to Pilates as well, but they also hook a movement, which is not good. Um, we teach you guys to, to, to really hook the breath to the movement because it helps you when you're learning to do it. Once you're at a point where you are competent, you're able to do these exercises. There's no need to worry about breathing or worry about your breathing whilst you're doing these. You should be able to hold the core engaged. We're using the core muscles independent of the diaphragm. The diaphragm can function while the core, you can breathe while walking, you can breathe while moving your legs, so you can breathe while engaging your core properly. And it's just a case of some people need a little bit more help to get to that point. Um, and, and the transition we get sometimes in the, uh, in the membership site, people struggling with regards to starting to breathe again whilst doing some of the core exercises. And that's just a case of learning. It's just a case of learning. If you look at a, you know, a, a toddler again that's learning to walk, this is just the easiest example to get because it's, it's just so simple and, and also that you'd never dream of saying, do you know what, little Jimmy, walking's not for you. Let's just stop walking and we don't need to do that. But there's that persistence and, and you go through difficult phases. Maybe the breathing is a challenge in the early stages, but you'll get past it. You get past it with practice and, and you'll do very well. Okay, awesome. Um, don't hold your breath. Kate's <laughs> <laughs> um, just left a comment here. She said, this is a good stream as it sort of takes away from the guilt of why can't I do more without losing the core bit and trying yeah. uh, again to yeah, I think people, I think that's a really good comment, Kate, because a lot of people do um, kind of beat themselves up. And it's only, I think, I think some of you guys in the premium um, actually see that it's not just me. 
Um, it is other people that struggle with aspects of this. And, and quite often, especially now more than ever, because you don't get that social interaction that we get, which maybe actually is a good thing if your friends are, are, are not, do not have back pain, because that can sometimes put in your face what you can't do. But actually realizing that you're not the only one that goes through these same challenges. And there are people in worse conditions that struggle more, and there are people in better condition than you personally. And this isn't you, Kate, this is you watching this. Um, there are people better than you uh, and worse than you with worse circumstances, worse injuries that struggle or find it easier. Mm. Uh, and we see that time and time again in the clinic. We get some patients that come in that have a very, very minor injury, objectively speaking, and they're in tremendous pain. And we get some people coming in with numerous fractures in their spine and they walk into the clinic, you know, it, it, and, and they're in their 80s or 90s. And we've had those patients. And, and it's just astounding to see the difference in individuals. Um, and, and, and just don't compare yourself to other people. Just compare yourself to you yesterday and you the day before. And just make sure that you're a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And that's all you can do. And, and then when you look back, like that's one of the reasons that we released the, um, the little calendar for phase two and phase three. Because when you're writing that down each day, how, how long it's taking you, you can actually start to see that, wait a second, I'm doing this in like 20% faster, 30% faster. I'm doing it in half the time. Um, it's, it's really, really allows you to just compare you to you. And that's yeah. the most important thing. Brilliant. Gina um, has left a couple of comments and she said, I always engage my pelvic floor too. Is that okay? Yeah, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah pelvic floor is good. Um, uh, doing the pelvic floor, it's not something we talk too much about, but there's absolutely no issues in, in engaging the pelvic floor. Uh, it, it, it's not a problem at all. Okay, she also says, I sometimes get a little tightness across the lower back when engaging the core. Mm -hmm. uh, is this the core muscles in the back area engaging? Uh, yeah, so... Um, without boring you guys too much with an anatomy lesson, what you're probably talking about is Gina, right? Yeah. Yeah, Gina. What you're probably talking about here is uh, sort of this region down here, um, sort of in there where you're feeling it, and you might get that tension kind of coming a little bit across the back. Um, essentially, our core muscles, the, the, the two key areas that you'll probably feel this, the, the core engagement, is going to be kind of sort of down here and into kind of the groiny area here sometimes, depending on you, and then round the back in that region because that's where the attachment sites are. We've got, they basically blend with the abdominal fascia along the, the, the sort of just off to the center of the midline. So just basically on the margin of where your six pack would sit, they blend there. So you feel it there quite often. And then they all plug in and around this area. It's called the thoracolumbar fascia. So those muscles kind of sit here like the corset. And then where you, you know, like the corset, not that I sound like I wear corsets all the time here, like <laughs> goodness me, because um, I talk about them so much. Um, but where the, where, where the ropes would be, Oops. Yeah, the things to tighten it up would be they'll kind of come down and sit about here. And, and that's where, again, you're going to feel it. That's what that thoracolumbar fascia is. And you're going to feel it just pulling on that region. So it's, it's absolutely not a problem. Um, it's, it's completely normal. Uh, and, and getting a little bit of minor reaction down there is, is no problem at all. And that should ease after, you, you know, you finish your workout. You get on that towel, do a bit of icing. 10, 15 minutes later, everything should be, uh, should be doing quite well, especially once you're into the routine. In the earlier days, sometimes you need a little bit of time to recover after the workout because it's something new, but um, it's normal. Okay, awesome. I think that's it for today. We've had uh, Georgina just saying thanks. She thinks she knows where she, uh, where she went wrong. Okay, Georgina good, good, good. Um, I just wanted to touch on something very quickly. Um, yep. Um, I, we found out that a lot of the, well, some of the phase one, um, members are sort of like lorry drivers or delivery men, mm -hmm. um, or, or removals men. And this is really important for people who are doing jobs like that as well. So if you do know somebody like that, your husband, your brother, etc., um, just do make sure that you share the videos. I think it will really, really help. Yeah. This, this particular one for those guys that are maybe. 
maybe you know they're so busy especially here around london the, the guys that are moving stuff and delivering things yeah. that you know they're, they're sat still and then it's out deliver before i get a ticket and then it's back again back in the van and just helping them uh you know sharing this with those guys so they understand and they can get a bit of tips in terms of how to to engage their core effectively i could really help those guys because unfortunately if those guys injure their back much like anyone but that group in particular as you say la is um it can really affect you know a lot of things yeah. as, as we know at the best of times so and then the last thing is just about Spotify. About oh, yeah, yeah, uh, that's that's really cool. So um, if you guys are, you know, a lot of you guys re- tune in regularly on the YouTube live or the Facebook live, but actually we're putting these out on our Spotify uh, podcast thing uh, that Lara's uh, sort of set up and everything. So that's really cool. It's it's so back in shape by the Mayfair Clinic on Spotify. That's right. I can put a link to it. Yeah, I'll put a link underneath here. On Google or Apple Podcasts yep. or Spotify. So it's just these live streams. If you're on the go um, and you want to listen to sort of the topic of the day, then you can get it on the on the podcast and follow along there. Obviously, you'll hear the questions at the time. You won't necessarily get the visuals, but uh, we always try our best to sort of explain things as well as possible. And hopefully you find this valuable. So uh, thanks so much for joining us, guys. I hope you guys have a lovely weekend. Again, if you have been new to the channel, if this is your first time here, then do please consider subscribing to the channel. We go live every single weekday. So hit the notification bell if you want. Make sure you've got the right settings on there uh, so you get notified when we go live. And uh, with that, with that sort of done, hope you guys found it helpful. Have a great weekend and we will see you next week on Monday with another live stream.